In the late 70s, when Bob and Jean Helms planted our church, they first held services as New Life Free Will Baptist Church in the old Newburgh Town Hall. Now, when they were holding services in the town hall, the town hall was pretty new to the town of Newburgh. It had been purchased just about 10 years previously from Newburgh Presbyterian Church. And for many people, even unto this day, they refer to that building as the old Newburgh Presbyterian Church building. It was built by Newburgh Presbyterian in 1840. And it was a community center of sorts for many years. Graduations were held there, community events, a school even met there for a while. And when there was the great flood of 1937, the National Guard used Newburgh Presbyterian Church as its headquarters. The reason that it was built in the 1840s was that 20 years previous to that, in 1819 and 1820, there were the New Madrid earthquakes. Starting in December of 1819 and ending in February of 1820, there were a series of four major earthquakes that greatly shifted the landscape of the Ohio Valley area. There were entire towns that were wiped out. There was a period after one of the earthquakes that the Ohio and Mississippi ran backwards in places. Streams were diverted and formed Real Foot Lake. And all of this change and uncertainty and the unexpectedness of watching islands appear or disappear in the river caused a, a, an awakening in this region. People filled churches. New churches were formed. And Newburgh Presbyterian was formed in the wake of this awakening following the New Madrid earthquakes. The church met there at that location for 120 years. But in 1965, it sold its building to the Newburgh town, made it, Newburgh made it its town hall, and they relocated just outside of town on a hillside overlooking the Ohio River. It's a beautiful, scenic spot. But Newburgh Presbyterian has sat dark for nearly two years now, because in January of 2019, the congregation had dwindled to just a few senior citizens left and they voted to dissolve the congregation and sell the property so that they could donate the money to other Presbyterian churches and Christian causes. That church sat dark for all of this time. After being a light for years, it now is dark. And our church has some similarities with Newburgh Presbyterian, not just that we got our start in their old building, but that we, just like they, were started to be a light and to share the gospel of new life in Jesus Christ with this community. Thankfully, our church still is functioning. Our church still continues to meet. We continue to worship Jesus and proclaim the message of new life in Christ. But this year, there has been another similarity in that many of our Sundays, our church has sat dark. We've held worship online like we're doing this morning, but in this year, there have been 15 Sundays that there's been no in-person gathering at our facility. And there have been 26 Sundays that we've not met here in the sanctuary, but we've met in the gym. We've not had a worship gathering in this room since March. 
For 2020, there were only 11 worship gatherings in this facility. And I can't, I can't even imagine going back in time and telling myself in 2019 that there'd only be 11 gatherings in the sanctuary in 2020. It's been an incredibly confusing time. It's been so strange to lead you this year. It's been a dark year, not just for our sanctuary, but it's been a dark year for our church. It's been a time of not being able to gather in person on many Sundays, as I just mentioned, but it's also been a time that we've had people walk away from the congregation. When I've talked to people about how things are going here at the church, they'll say things like, hey, listen, once the pandemic is over, people are going to come back, but it's not just that people haven't joined us because of our inability to hold services like we normally would or doing church online. We've, we've had members resign their membership via text message and email through this season. We've had members tell us that they're attending church elsewhere. They've not agreed with decisions that we've made during this time or they've felt led elsewhere. It's been a difficult season. 2020 has been hard. And I'm going to bet that if you're watching on this online only Sunday morning, that you are committed to our church moving forward. You know that it's been hard. You know that it's been difficult. And I want to share with you, I had you in mind specifically in preparing this message, I want to share with you that Christmas brings hope to dark churches. We've talked this month about how the hope that Christmas brings is more than just positivity or, or um, uh, optimism. We've talked about how it's hope for dark days in dark places. We've talked about how it's hope for dark hearts. And today I wanna to talk to you about how Christmas is hope for dark churches. You see, when Jesus arrived, the church was pretty dark. And we have a story right after the birth of Jesus there in Luke 2 that tells us all about that. So we're going to pick up reading in Luke chapter 2 just after the Christmas story. We'll start reading in verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this was a just and devout man waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Simeon goes to the temple led by the Lord. And Mary and Joseph are there with baby Jesus because as it is customary according to the law, they were to bring Jesus, offer sacrifices, he'd be circumcised. This was a way that they showed God from the very beginning that they recognized he was a gift from God. This is something that every devout Jewish family would do with their sons. And so as Mary and Joseph come into the temple with Jesus just a few days after his birth, Simeon is there led by the Holy Spirit. He sees baby Jesus and knows, revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, that this is the Christ. And he takes him up in his arms and he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, 
a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is destined for the rise and fall of many in Israel and for a sign which be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And then it tells us about another dear old saint, this one named Anna. Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phemiel, the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was an, a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for the redemption in Jerusalem. In Luke chapter 2, we have the story of Anna and Simeon, these two dear old saints getting to see Jesus. They get to see the hope that they had been longing for. Luke tells us that Simeon was one who was looking for the consolation of Israel. He tells us that Anna was one who was looking for the redemption in Jerusalem. These were two dear old saints who had put their trust in the Old Testament prophecies, who even though God had not spoken through his prophets in years, they continued to look for God to keep his promises that were made in the prophecies for a Messiah to come and to free Israel from their sins, to redeem them, to comfort them in their brokenness. Anna and Simeon are are two more characters that are added to the stories of Zechariah and Elizabeth, John the Baptist's parents, two older people who bear a son in their old age, another two old faithful saints who had looked for the God to keep his promises. What we had here was a generation of believers who kept trusting God in the face of dark days, a generation of faithful people who kept looking for the arrival of Jesus, and they got to be a part in his story of redemption. If you're watching this today, on the Sunday after Christmas when we're online only, a Sunday that even when we have in-person gatherings is normally one of our second or third least attended Sundays, I'm guessing that if you're watching this on this Sunday, this week, there's a good chance that you are pretty similar to these folks that you have been looking for the hope and consolation of Jesus, that you have a passion for our church to reach our community, that like Anna and Simeon, you have a desire for Jesus to come and do a work in the lives of those around you. I'm going to bet that like these folks, you're faithful. You're looking for the consolation and hope. Now the next generation... Mary and Joseph's generation, Jesus's generation, they would live in the fulfillment of those promises. They would live in the fulfillment of that hope. You and I, we live in the fulfillment of the promise. We live in the days after the arrival of Jesus. But even though we live in the fulfillment there's also this longing and this desire to see God move, to see God show up. 
And if that characterizes your heart like it does mine, I would imagine that for you, like for me, this year has been marked by disappointment. I have been so excited about the trajectory of our church and reaching more and more people for Jesus. The first three months of 2020 were our strongest three months ever on record for attendance. We set a new pace for the amount of people that we were reaching, the amount of guests who were joining us, and the offerings that we were receiving. Everything was up and to the right. It seemed like God was moving in a big way. But once the pandemic began, things began to look more grim and darker. I've lived in a period of disappointment through this year. I've lived in a period of discouragement through this year. But I want you to know that while things have been darker and grim this year, while things have been disappointing and circumstances have been a letdown, I want you to know that I have not lost hope. When Samuel would have walked into the temple that day, there would have been a lot that he could have focused on. He could have focused or fixated on the Roman soldiers that were outside telling people what to do, taking advantage of the Jews. He could have focused on the publicans, the tax collectors he would have passed, who were collecting taxes from the people so that they could fund the Roman occupation and army. He could have focused on the hypocritical Pharisees that would have been hanging around the temple. He could have focused on the money changers who would have been in the courtyard. He could have focused on all of those things. But he was led by the Spirit to the temple that day to look for Jesus. And if I'm not careful, I can be distracted by a lot of bad indicators and a lot of bad metrics. I can be distracted by the, the frustrations of 2020. But whenever I focus on Jesus, my heart is filled with hope. Whenever I focus on his presence and the way that he's meeting with us and the spiritual growth that he's bringing in people, my heart is filled with joy. You see, what we focus on will determine our outlook. You know, I can't really tell you the story of what happened at Newburgh Presbyterian. I know that they had many, many years of sharing the, the truth of God's word. But at some point along the way, something changed. At some point along the way, they started trending downward. And that happens in the life of every congregation. But what makes a difference most commonly in congregations that end up closing their doors and dissolving, like that congregation ended up doing, at some point, the past becomes more impressive than the future. The things that they accomplished in years gone by become more commonly spoken about than the things that they could accomplish in the years ahead. Their focus is taken off of the future and placed on the past. In your car, you've got a rear view mirror and it's incredibly handy. It's something that you should check on a regular basis, but you shouldn't focus on your rear view mirror, especially if you're headed forward. Now, if you're headed backward, man, maybe you should focus on your rearview mirror or you should look over your shoulder as you back out of your parking place. But as you're headed down the highway, as you're headed to your destination, a brief glance at the rearview mirror is a good idea, but that can't be where your focus is. Here at Faith Church, we regularly look back on our history to remember our roots and the heartbeat of our church from its founding. We regularly look back on the values that have that have defined who we are as a congregation. We look back at the, the history of God's word and the truth in the scriptures. We are a church based on ancient truth. 
and a church that is shaped by our founding and our history. But we are a church that is focused on the future. And that only happens when we have hope. Now, some people try to have hope by focusing on the future. But I want you to know that it's really the other way around. When we have hope, we'll focus on the future. Simeon became excited and began to bless God and say, I have seen the one who will be a light unto the Gentiles, who will bring redemption before the face of all peoples. Simeon focused on Jesus and his heart was so filled with hope in that moment that he prophesies about the things that are coming in the days ahead. I've just been thinking these last few days about Simeon and Anna fussing over baby Jesus in the temple. I love that verse 28 says that he sees Jesus and he takes him up in his arms. And I can just see Simeon coming over and, and scooping baby Jesus up and holding him close and breathing in that, that infant new baby smell and his heart being filled with hope that this is the answer to his prayers. This is the fulfillment of the promises that God has made. He literally says when he's holding baby Jesus, I can die in peace because I know you have kept your promise and my eyes have seen your salvation. We don't remain hopeful by focusing on the future. We remain hopeful by focusing on Jesus by spending time in his presence, by breathing in his goodness and his love and his grace, by holding him close, by practicing his presence in our daily lives and in our worship gatherings, by recognizing his goodness and his magnificence. And when we are filled with that hope, we can look towards the future. Right now, I'll be honest, the windshield ahead of us is pretty foggy. We need to kick the defrost on so that we can see clearly the days ahead. But I know that before we can look at the days ahead, before we can hopefully look towards the future, we've got to make it our practice to regularly focus on Jesus. When Simeon hands baby Jesus back to Mary and Joseph, verse 33 says that Mary and Joseph marvel at those things that were spoken of him. Mary and Joseph had been told some, some important promises by the angels. They had seen God work in miraculous ways, but the days ahead were still very foggy for them. They didn't know how all of this was going to come to pass. They were just kind of stumbling along one step at a time, going to Bethlehem when they were supposed to, going to the temple when they were supposed to, fleeing to Egypt when they were supposed to, just doing the next right thing. But in this moment of Simeon holding baby Jesus, filled with hope, he gives them a glimpse of that future long off of Jesus being the hope of the world. Jesus bringing salvation to all mankind. The road ahead is foggy, and I don't know what all we're going to face in 2021. If, anything we, if there's anything we've learned in 2020 is that we cannot predict the future. And so in the new year, while we strive to make plans on how we can continue to do ministry and reach people and carry on the mission of Faith Church, we are going to focus our eyes on Jesus. 
Luke gives us this record, and we believe that he goes and he talks with Mary later after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. He's able to confer with her and the disciples. He's a historian. He writes down a record of Jesus' life and then writes down a record of the early church. And if you take Luke's two books that he wrote down as a historical record for his friend, the two books together compose 52 chapters of the life of Jesus and the acts of his apostles as changed by the life of Jesus. And so in 2021, we're going to take the 52 Sundays and we're going to go over a chapter of Luke's writing each week. We'll go through all of Luke first and then we'll pick up and go through all of Acts. And so this year, we will study the life of Jesus, the development of his disciples, and then the actions of those disciples as they carry the message outward to all of the Gentiles. We'll look at Jesus fulfilling this prophecy that is spoken over him by Simeon of becoming a light to the world. And I think that as we do this, you're going to notice three things. You're going to notice a theme of prayer. Jesus would come back to this temple at one point and be so disgusted at what he saw that he would form a whip and drive the money changers and the merchants out. And then he would say this, my house is to be a house of prayer for all people, but you've made it a den of thieves. Jesus tells us that his heart is that his house would be a house of prayer. Jesus, throughout his life, we see him regularly stepping away from the crowds, the disciples, these people that desperately need him. He steps away from them to spend a time alone in prayer by himself. At times, all night. At times, rising early in the morning before anyone else is awake. And when they wake up, they don't know where Jesus is and they have to go looking for him. You'll see a theme of prayer. You'll also see a theme of development. Jesus develops these people develops this group that would be the original core group of his movement that would carry the mission forward in Acts. In Acts, we see these people carrying the gospel to the ends of the earth, but in Luke, we see Jesus developing them and preparing them for that moment. Now, when I say the word development, I'm basically saying discipleship, but I use the word development on purpose because I think when you hear me say discipleship, you just turn tune me out because you think it's a class or it's a book but really what it is, is it's becoming like Jesus by spending time with Jesus. And it was only after the disciples had spent time with Jesus and become like Jesus that they could go and do the things that Jesus called them to do. We'll see that through the book of Luke, and then we'll see it lived out in the book of Acts. And then thirdly, I think you'll see a theme of evangelism through loving care for people. Jesus would heal the sick, feed the hungry, Show love to the poor and share the gospel message with them. And I think you're going to see those three themes of prayer, development of disciples, and then evangelism through care. I think you'll see them in that order. And I think that needs to be our heartbeat moving forward. Recently, Tom Rayner has released some results of research and studies that he's done on the church post-pandemic. Things that are coming out as themes in the church as a result of the quarantine, many congregations closing, many congregations incredibly uh, uh, hobbled. Before the pandemic, to be in the top 6% of size of churches, you had to have over 2,000 people. Post-pandemic, after the pandemic, to be in the top 6% of large churches, you only need 250 people gathering together. 
many congregations across America have been completely disconnected and are not able to move forward like they did previously. And Rainer has said that based on what he sees, we're all church planners now. We're all startups. We're all starting from scratch. It's been over 38 years since Bob and Gene Helms started this church. It's been 40 years since we were a startup, but we are a startup again. And if we look back at that time period of when they started without a building, without a core group of people, without regular tithes and offerings coming in, being supported by the outside mission agency, I'm sure that they would have loved to start where we're starting. We're restarting today. We're starting over. We're a church plant again. But we are so very blessed to have an incredible amount of resources at our disposal. You have been so faithful this year that through November, our offerings were just above what they had been through November in 2019. It's amazing. And so we're starting over. And like church planners, we need to be focused on those things. My cousin, Mark Neppel, who planted Restore Church in Portsmouth, Virginia, recently shared that based on what Tom Rader had said, he went back and he looked at how they started their church five years ago in Portsmouth. And he found that what they had was consistently a theme in their startup was a focus on prayer, a focus on developing their leaders, a focus on serving the city, and a focus on sharing the gospel with their city. That should be our focus, whether we're in startup mode or not. That should be our focus as we restart. New Life was the name of our church back in those days, not just because it was a new church, but because we were, we were building that church. The church was being founded upon that truth that in Jesus Christ there is new life. Based upon that idea of 2 Corinthians 5, that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Everything becomes new. There's a lot different between now and 1978 when our church was planted. But something that has not changed is that we are founded upon the truth that in Jesus, our lives are made new. We are founded upon the truth that in Christ the Messiah, who was born in Bethlehem, blessed by Simeon and Anna in the temple, lived a life developing disciples, went to the cross and died for your sins and mine and rose again, that that Messiah offers new life. That is the bedrock foundation our church is planted on. And it was that bedrock foundation that Jesus spoke of when he said, I will build my church. We are a different church than we were this time a year ago. 2020 has changed us dramatically. And 2021 will be another year of uncertainty. But in the face of all of that change and uncertainty, we are still that church that is founded upon the truth of the gospel that in Christ we are made new. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And as God has done that in us individually, God is prepared and able to do that in us corporately as we are made new as a congregation in the year ahead. When I look ahead into the future, things are still foggy, but I'm looking ahead into the future because my heart is full of hope in Christ. While our sanctuary may be dark this morning, because we're not gathering in person, but online only, 
While 2020 has been a dark year as circumstances and adversity have come upon us, know that the light of Christ still shines in our hearts as he makes us new. And he has used even these adversities and challenges to make us more like himself. He is reforming and renovating our hearts. He is reforming and renovating our church. God is doing a great thing in us. And when I think on that, I am filled with hope and look toward the future with anticipation. I still believe that the best days are yet to come. And I hope that you, with hope-filled hearts, will look with me with clear eyes into the days ahead. In this moment of the week between Christmas and New Year's, as you perhaps have some time off with family, I hope that you'll just rest in the goodness and grace of God. I hope that like Simeon, you can hold Jesus close and breathe in his goodness. As Simeon breathed in that moment of holding the Christ child close, I could see him leaning back and tears squeezing out of his eyes as he held Jesus tight. I want to encourage you to to lean back into the loving arms of Jesus. Because that's what's beautiful about that moment. That while Simeon is holding the Christ child, he's holding the God of the universe, he's also being held in God's loving arms. And today, I want to encourage you to lean back and rest in God's goodness. Rest in his gospel. Rest in the truth that he will build his church, the church founded upon the truth of who he is.